All right, House of the Dragon finally has a release date. It's Sunday, August 21st, so we're keeping up the Sunday tradition. Folks, House of Flying Dees is here to tell you all about it. That's that's what this is. This is House of Flying Dees. It's over the top and in the gutter, just like the show. And we will be live every Sunday as soon as the post-credits roll. So join us and the Mythhead community for a fun time. We'll discuss the good, the bad, and the flying Ds. Anyway, HBO has released nine new images of some of the main characters. And one of them in particular, we're going to talk about all of them, but one of them in particular really has me starting to get excited about the show, despite my <laughs> relative disappointment in George's lack of tea-wowing. That's uh, a subject for another day. Check out my 10 Reasons Why George Might Be Struggling with Winds of Winter uh, stream if you want more on that. But no, this there's an image in particular that is indicating to me that the level of storytelling on House of the Dragon may be a good couple of notches above what we saw on Game of Thrones, particularly the, the latter seasons, of course. So click like and subscribe, and we'll take a look at the images. I'll break them down for you real quick. And then uh, tune in this Sunday, where we'll do a live stream. Uh, we'll go more in-depth on the main characters and what I think the core elements of the show are that are gonna move the action. So let's have a look. So first of all, expect this show to be both decadent and dark. There aren't a lot of good characters here, definitely fewer, Stannis, fewer than what we saw in A Game of Thrones. So it'll be interesting to see if HBO and the showrunners, Miguel Sapachik and Ryan Condal, choose to uh, make some of these characters a little more likable, add some redeeming qualities. And I do think there'll be room for that because everything we know about this Dance of the Dragons Targaryen Civil War, of course, comes to us from the Maesters. And they're relying on Mushroom's account and a couple of other accounts. And a lot of people get painted in a pretty ugly light, but we don't really often have the dialogue. We don't know why the characters are doing what they're doing. So with House of the Dragon, it's gonna be exciting because we're gonna get to see actually what happened, you know, or at least a version of what happened. We're gonna get to see why the characters are doing what they're doing. So there's definitely room for more uh, relatable motives, more under, you know, motives that we might understand to be uh, put in here as they, as they flesh out the story. And of course, George is, you know, heavily involved and, and uh, Ryan Condal in particular is known for being really into the books and the lore. So expect it to be accurate. But like I said, you know, everything that the Maesters write, it's from this bird's eye view. And now with the show, we're gonna get to see the nitty gritty of why people are doing what they're doing. So I definitely expect some of these characters that seem kind of awful to be a little bit more complex as they get fleshed out and developed. Okay, so the first picture we're gonna talk about is my favorite, it's the one I alluded to. It's this picture of young Rhaenyra and Alicent, with young Rhaenyra being played by Miley Alcook and young Alicent being played by Emily Carey. Now the showrunners, Condal and Sampachik, have said that they're going to trust the audience to be intelligent, which is something that Game of Thrones got high marks for early on, but then sort of, well, it, it got lower marks later on, let's just say. Along these lines, House of the Dragon has made the somewhat courageous choice to cast a couple of their main characters, and perhaps others, we don't know, uh, in two different points in their life. We've got young Rhaenyra and Alicent, and then we've got them, you know, about maybe 20 years later. I think this is a really interesting choice because I'm a big fan of fiction that tells stories on multiple timelines. Like, if you've watched my channel, you know I love the, the show Dark, 
the sci-fi thriller, time travel thriller that was on Netflix a couple years ago, three seasons. Definitely watch it if you haven't. It's pretty much the ultimate time travel story. And by showing you many of the characters at two or even three different points in their life, you greatly expand the ability and the window that you have to develop the characters. Instead of seeing a character change over the course of a year or two of a normal book, now you're seeing them at two different points in their life. If you've ever read The Lies of Locke Lamora by Scott Lynch, similar thing, the protagonist, you get, the, you get his chapters both coming from his childhood and in his adult age, and they're interspersed through the story, and that gives the author a really interesting ability to play with that character growth. Now, the, the main story of Game of Thrones in A Song of Ice and Fire, it's all set up by the events of Robert's Rebellion, right? Which took place about 17, 18 years before the main story. That's where the RLJ mystery comes from. Just everything that's going on has its roots to then. So there's a lot of uh, backfilling of history that takes place in A Song of Ice and Fire. However, Game of Thrones, the show, kind of wandered away from that. They didn't use much flashback. They had some history backfill, but not much. And ultimately, RLJ didn't have the impact uh, that it should have or that it, you know, that, it that it had for book readers. People that just watched the show, I don't think it mattered nearly as much. So House of the Dragon is doing something different. They are using not only, not really even flashback. I mean, I guess they will be flashback in the course of the narrative, but if they've actually cast these actresses as young Rhaenyra and Alicent, well, that means that we're gonna spend a decent amount of time on these events from 20 years ago that are setting up the main story. So that to me is really interesting. It's definitely gonna challenge the audience a little bit, and it's gonna allow us to see the development of Rhaenyra and Alicent, because Rhaenyra and Alicent are pretty tragic characters by the time of uh, the Dance of the Dragons, but of course there's a lot more that happens before that. So by casting them in their young age, it's gonna make the characters a little more, a lot more dynamic instead of only being hitting these notes that they're hitting at the end of their life as they're sort of descending into tragedy. So next up, this is a picture of King Viserys I. Of course, he's played by Paddy Considine. He uh, looks like an excellent ditherer. I think this is well cast. Uh, he doesn't have an official nickname. I like to call him King Asleep at the Wheel because that's kind of the story. Although he's well-liked and affable and you know just generally popular, he, he kind of is asleep at the wheel. And the problems that are developing in his reign break out as soon as he dies uh, and cause this entire struggle. So in the books, he's actually overweight and gouty. Uh, he's supposed to be about 52 at this point. So I'm not sure if they will similarly recreate those sort of health problems uh, but he, he does, he's supposed to be in failing health. But in his youth, uh, he rode, uh, he was actually the last person to ride Balerion the Black Dread, of course, the famous Mount of Aegon the Conqueror, who died in 94 AC. And Viserys never rode another dragon after that. Because once you ride Balerion, I guess, I guess that's it. So Viserys has been king for about 28 years at the point of the Dance of the Dragons. He, he became king in 101 AC after something called the Great Council, which passed over another important character we'll talk about in a minute, Rhaenys, the queen who never was. He's actually a little bit like King Robert as far as his role in the story, even though they're very different characters in their youth. Robert is, you know, a swaggering frat boy and... Uh, muscled like a maiden's fantasy, or maybe like an Eddard's fantasy. You know, we all know King Robert. Uh, Viserys is not quite the same character, but he is popular and well-liked. And the main thing is that by the time the story starts, he's a king that's not really managing his affairs very well. And so when he dies, everything goes crazy. It's just like King Robert. When King Robert dies, the Lannisters make their move, 
Ned gets thrown in jail and all the shit hits the fan, basically. So the setup is similar with Viserys and Robert, even though their, their young life is different. So next up, we've got Otto Hightower, played by Reese Ifans. Otto is 51 years old at the time of the Dance of the Dragons. He is the Hand of the King for King Viserys, and before that, he was the Hand of the King for Good King Jaehaerys. Otto Hightower is essentially our Tywin character. He's pretty comparable. He's ruthless. He's, uh, he, he's very competent. In the last couple years of Jaehaerys' reign, when he was very old and a little bit senile, Otto Hightower managed the realm just as Tywin ruled the realm in all but name during some of the years of King Aerys. Otto is also a little bit like uh, Gorman Peak, for those of you who know that is, and he's a little bit like a much stronger Mace Tyrell. He's from the Reach. He's mostly concerned with his family's power. He's also got a couple of personal grudges that come up, uh, chiefly against Daemon Targaryen. Everyone's got a grudge against Daemon Targaryen, but Otto Hightower definitely has a rivalry with Daemon during the early years of Viserys' reign, because Otto is the hand and Daemon is the brother to the king. So they're both very powerful, and Viserys kind of lacks the strength to keep them both in their place. You know, sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't, but uh, yeah, that's how that works. Now, Otto being hand of the king for Jaehaerys and Viserys, he was in a very good position to proposed that Viserys marry his daughter Alicent when Viserys' first wife, Emma Arryn, died. Viserys was kind of taken with Alicent, but he might have been taken with her because Alicent was consistently right under his nose because Otto Hightower made sure that that happened. And uh, we'll get to Alicent in a moment, but she's a little bit like a Marjorie Tyrell type of character, charming, political, and all that stuff. So the Hightowers are interesting, and uh, I'm kind of wondering if we get some Hightower, uh, House Hightower backstory, which is something the main story has been very threadbare on. A lot of secrets with House Hightower. What kind of artifacts do they have? Euron's about to crack open the nut that is Old Town and the Hightower itself, whatever magic, you know, is there. Uh, similar to the way that I think we're going to get a lot of Targaryen lore. Uh, I've heard that there's going to be emphasis on dragon dreams and prophecy and things like that. I wonder if maybe we'll get just a little bit of information about the High Towers, please, just a little bit. And then finally, Otto is, he's on the greens. We're going through the greens first here, by the way. And uh, he's one of the key, he's the one who crowns Aegon II and really starts this thing. And of course, Rhaenyra was technically the heir. So there's a, well, we'll get to that in a second. So here is Otto Hightower's daughter, Alicent. Queen Alicent, of course. Uh, queen of Team Green, if you will. She's played by Olivia Cook here. And as you can see, she kind of looks right out of a period drama. Uh, you know, she looks like she's she's got, I don't know the actress, but she looks like she's ready to do some some serious acting here to play a range of emotions and to do all the, the political intrigue plot lines, uh, definitely all centering around Alicent. So I'm curious to see how they flesh out this character. She's one of the ones that the Maesters definitely paint in an unfavorable light. And there's a lot of room for her story to be pretty sympathetic. Uh, she's likable when she's young. She reads to the old King Jaehaerys in the last years of his life when she's only 13. Then when she's 18, she becomes, like I said, the second wife of King Viserys and Viserys loves her very much. So they have a very, they have a very real thing together. And then Alicent, of course, uh, is the mother of Aemond and Aegon and Daron, who are some of the younger dragon riders, uh, the flying Ds in the story. There's definitely a lot of rumors about Alicent. Um, it's, it's rumored that she slept with Daemon Targaryen when she was young and lost her virginity to him before she married Viserys. 
It's rumored that she slept with Viserys while he was still married to Emma Arryn. And Mushroom even suggests that she was more than uh, a companion and a book reader for the 90-some-year-old King Jaehaerys. But uh, that's Mushroom for you, who, by the way, is the court fool and rumor mongerer. So I haven't seen any pictures of Mushroom yet. I guess they're saving that. But definitely he's going to be one of the more interesting and enjoyable characters in the story. And then going back real quick to this picture of young Alicent and Rhaenyra, you can see here that they were friends for a time when Alicent first came to court. But a couple years later, Alicent starts uh, popping out airs, you might say, and then uh, things get a little chilly because, of course, Rhaenyra is supposed to be the heir. But then when Alicent starts having sons, things get a bit murky. So expect them to play up this sort of loss of innocence and joy from young Rhaenyra and Alicent to their uh, later forms in The Dance of the Dragons. This here is Mr. Kristen Cole, the Kingmaker, and he is a total dick. Uh, no offense to Fabian Frankel, who I'm sure will do a great job portraying Kristen Cole. He's basically the prototype of a bad Kingsguard. And there's definitely a lot of Jamie in this character and maybe even a drop of Euron, not the magical side, but the just sort of, I'm a total dick because I can be side. Yeah, anyway, Kristen Cole is good looking, but uh, makes a lot of trouble. And he's not a very obedient Kingsguard. Like I said, he seemed to have some sort of thing with Rhaenyra. So it starts in 104 when he knocked Dark Sister from Damon's hand at a tournament. He gave the victor's laurel to a seven-year-old Rhaenyra, uh, then wore her favor in the joust where he beat Damon again, <laughs> as well as a bunch of other people. So yeah, him and Damon aren't friends. There's another person with a grudge against Damon and, and vice versa. Kristen Cole then becomes Rhaenyra's sworn shield. Uh, and supposedly she wanted to seduce Kristen Cole, and she's a young teen at this point, uh, and supposedly Damon Targaryen, troublemaker Damon, uh, gave her lessons or something, maybe, says Mushroom, uh, to seduce Kristen Cole, but Kristen Cole was, he was horrified and, and refused the princess, uh, supposedly, because Kristen Cole would never, uh, yeah, or something. Then later, when Rhaenyra is on the eve of her wedding night to Laenor Valerion, whom she doesn't really want to marry, Supposedly, Kristen Cole comes to her and declares his love and asks her to run away with him just to be sort of, you know, landless people on the run, which she turned him down for. Or, or maybe she went to the White Sword Tower and tried to seduce him again, and he rejected her. It's, it's not clear. The rumors are flying around. But something happened where instead of being close, they then became enemies and Kristen Cole becomes Team Green in a major way. And here's what I mean. So one year after the split, uh, at the at the wedding of Rhaenyra and Laenor, uh, Kristen Cole goes buck wild. He injures Harwin Strong, breaks his bones, and gives him the name Breakbones. And that's Rhaenyra's new sworn sword and secret boyfriend, uh, the father of her first three children. Then Kristen Cole mortally wounds Joffrey Lonmouth, who is Laenor's boyfriend, because Laenor Valerian is gay, spoiler alert. Uh, so yeah, he, he just basically, you're not really supposed to try to kill people at tourneys, Kristen. But then Alicent is like, you know, I kind of like your style, actually. Why don't you be my sworn sword? So now the rivalry is really heating up and things are falling apart, essentially. And from there, Kristen Cole is team green all the way. So next up is Rhaenyra Targaryen, The Realm's Delight, played by Emma Darcy. This is the dark heart of tragedy in the center of this story. Um, don't look for her to make you feel better about Danny. That's not going to happen. Um, in fact, she's much more comparable to Cersei than Daenerys. Um, 
But as you can see, she's got a long braid. That's worn in honor of Visenya, actually. And at the time of the dance, she's 33, and she rides the dragon Cyrax. She actually claimed Cyrax at the age of seven. So that's kind of uh, kind of certified badass there. She was beautiful in her youth, um, but she had three kids by the age of 20, and she is famously she famously kept the weight, quote-unquote. So again, a little bit like Cersei in A Feast for Crows, where we see the loss of her, her beauty affect her because she's a vain character. There's a similar dynamic here, perhaps. Rhaenyra is charming at times, like Cersei, but uh, she also... Also has a temper and holds grudges viciously, like Cersei. And she actually has a nervous tick in the books where she fidgets with her rings when she's uh, feeling anxious. So I'm not sure if they'll do that, but it seems like a cool little detail to add to the character. When she was a child, she was very fond of Damon, her uncle, who brought her gifts from his travels around the world. And then as a teen, like I mentioned, she's sort of crushed on Kristen Cole, supposedly. Then in 114, she's betrothed to Laenor Valerion against her will. But in 120, when Laenor dies, as well as Laenor's sister, Lena, who was Daemon's wife and Rhaenyra's friend, and also Harwin Breakbone Strong, who was the father of Rhaenyra's kids, all three of those people die in separate events. And then Rhaenyra marries Daemon Targaryen in secret on Dragonstone. And this is nine years before the Civil War breaks out. Rhaenyra is 23 and Daemon is 39 at this time. And of course, Viserys hates it, but uh, she is she remains the heir. And she is still living on Dragonstone in 129 when Viserys dies and the shit hits the fan. Otto Hightower and Kristen Cole essentially place Alicent's son Aegon on the throne and pull sort of a coup. And Rhaenyra hears about it on Dragonstone a few weeks later, goes into a black rage and actually, very sadly, miscarries her daughter, whom she had named Visenya. Because again, remember, she wears her braid in honor of Visenya. She was going to name her daughter Visenya. <sighs> yeah, it's sad. This is the beginning of Rhaenyra's tragic arc. It, it just gets worse from there, pretty much. So here we have perhaps the most talked about character, Corlys Valerion, the sea snake. The sea snake. As you can see, he continues to look awesome, and he's played by Steve Toussaint, or Toussaint, not sure how the pronunciation is. Uh, he's, Corliss is 77 during the dance. He's a total OG. He's been everywhere. He's been on his nine voyages, been around the world. He's by far the richest man in the kingdom. He's very politically powerful. He's very popular, and he was the master of ships until 92 AC, when Rhaenys, his wife, is passed over for the crown the first time. There's a whole history there that I'll go into on Sunday, but essentially, Rhaenys and her son Lenore are passed over for the throne several times, and Corlys becomes alienated from the throne. Viserys makes a couple of moves to try to win him back, but overall, Corlys is pretty much on bad terms with Viserys when the war breaks out. So in 129, as soon as we hear about uh, the Greens, if you will, the High Towers crowning Aegon II, Corlys just makes a beeline right over to Dragonstone, throws down for Rhaenyra and with Daemon and begins plotting the war. So he was ready to go for Team Black already. And uh, we'll talk about that history more on Sunday, like I said. So of course, the other character in this photo is Rhaenys Targaryen, the queen who never was. She's played by Eve Best. And this, this here is a good character. This is an epic character and... Together, these two, Corlys and Rhaenys Targaryen, they just have gravitas for days. 
and they're going to make a lot of the other characters seem young and inexperienced by contrast. Rainey's is 55 during the dance. As I mentioned, she was passed over for queen a couple of times, and she clearly would have been a great queen. That's the primary tragedy of her characters. She would have served the realm, and this is the beginning of this whole trend of saying that, you know, it has to be a male that sits the throne. And this was an issue between Jaehaerys and Alicent. And of course, it's an, it's an issue right down to the day of Daenerys and Jon Snow uh, in 302 AC or, or whatever it is. So Rhaenys, the queen that never was, she rides the Red Queen, Melis the Red Queen, one of only two red dragons in the entire series. The other one is Daemon's dragon, Caraxes. Uh, Melis the Red Queen has scarlet scales, and pink wing membranes with copper crest, horns, and claws. So hopefully they will be true to canon here and give us a truly amazing looking Melis. And Melis and Rainies, I don't want to spoil it for anyone who might not know, but epic, epic dragon fight. One of the most epic dragon battles in the entire story. So by the time Rainies is done, she's going to be a legend, a complete legend. Uh, so she's going to be much talked about in the fandom. All right, so here we have the rogue prince, Daemon Targaryen, of course, played by Matt Smith. No longer the charming and affable Doctor Who. No, no, no. This is a very dark character. He is in no sense a good person, folks. He's selfish, vengeful, dishonest, spiteful, and definitely brutal. He's mainly a problem because he's, well, he's, he's very competent, and he's in an important royal position. He's brother of the king. He's the heir to Viserys for a time, and then he's the backup heir. But this is a deeply, deeply flawed individual, so he might have a couple of witty lines, but uh, don't expect any sort of Jamie Lannister redemption arc. It's not here. And he is very similar to Jamie, a little bit like Kristen. Uh, definitely has that arrogance. He's got the Lannister sarcasm. In fact, Daemon Targaryen would make a great Lannister. Um, I've also compared him to Viserys a little bit, but if Viserys hadn't have been traumatized and, you know, on the run his whole life, but maybe, you know, given a better upbringing, so he's a little less unstable, uh, but still venal and cruel and arrogant. Uh, and Damon is 49 at the time of the story. So keep that in mind. He's been around the block. He's done a lot of things. And he's a cynical and jaded character, and uh, in the end, he's consumed by his own grudges, I would say. However, he does do the single most badass thing that anyone ever does in A Song of Ice and Fire, which is, uh, I don't, uh, don't want to spoil it, but as you can see from the picture here, it has something to do with leaping from dragon to dragon in midair during a dragon fight, so... Yeah, so hopefully they will uh, spend lots of CGI budget to faithfully render that scene somewhere at the end of the series. And that brings us to one of the most interesting characters, Mysaria the White Worm, played by Sonoya Mizuno. She is a sex worker from Lys who becomes a mistress of Whisperers. Um, so she's got a little bit of Varus energy, but she's also got a lot of that mysterious witch woman energy that we find cropping up all over the place. You know, Shiera Seastar... Tiana of the Tower, Melisandre, of course, Alice Rivers, who's another character that should pop up somewhere near the end of the story that'll be very interesting to talk about. But uh, Mysaria the White Worm, she kind of pops up everywhere to sort of stick the knife in or maybe give the knife a twist whenever that is needed in the story. And that's the sort of 
Vari's like uh, component. She's a little green, a worm tongue. She's definitely got the insidious whispers that make people turn paranoid and distrustful. She's probably a magical person, almost certainly. And you can see in the picture here, she's wearing some sort of really cool weirwood dress. If you look close, you can see there's definitely a tree imprint on the dress. So I'm not sure if they're going to give her some sort of weirwood connection or if she's just going to be an ambiguous sorceress, but uh, definitely a, a character where you never know what could happen. They could they could pop up any sort of mysterious or magical plot element and introduce it with Mysaria and have it make sense. When she was younger, back all the way in 105, she uh, actually miscarried Damon's son. She She's Damon's consort on and off, and she miscarried Damon's son after Viserys ordered a pregnant Mysaria to be sent back to Lys when he found out that uh, Damon was having a child with her. So, of course, Damon was very pissed off, and this was a major part of the rift that developed between Damon and Viserys. So Mysaria, basically, her story is going to follow Damon and Rhaenyra through the entire war, through all the, you know, through the entire show. She eventually becomes Damon's mistress of Whisperers, and then when Rhaenyra and Damon take King's Landing for a time, she's the mistress of whisperers there. So that's kind of her role. All right, so there's obviously a ton more to say. There's a lot more characters that have to do with setting up the events of the Dance of the Dragons that have a big part in the Dance of the Dragons. And we'll talk about a lot of that this Sunday at 3 p.m. Pacific time. So make sure you subscribe to the channel so you get a notification when we go live. Or just remember, if you're really sharp, and uh, we'll see you on Sunday. We'll talk more about House of the Dragon. And thank you for watching House of Flying Dees.